The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Sunday evening. Coming up, we will run the rule over today's results in the Bond Secures Premier Senior Football Championship. We've reaction to Valley Rovers' win, which secures their Premier Senior status. Also, big news that a playoff will be required between Douglas and St. Michael's for that remaining quarterfinal spot. Also coming up, we have build-up to Ireland versus the Netherlands at Lansdowne Road. Dylan O'Connell's going to join us for that one. It's do or die for Ireland tonight and for Stephen Kenny as well, you fear. Uh, South Africa versus Scotland is ongoing. It's South Africa 6, Scotland 3 at the moment, uh, as is the Irish Open, which was delayed. And uh, we round off the show with our NFL preview. The season has started and Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show is going to tell us all about a huge show between here and 7. It's Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM 0868104106 if you want to get in touch with us at Big Red Bench on Twitter. What a massive day of Gaelic Games action in the Bond Secures Premier Senior Football Championship and the uh, the, line-out, the the knockout stages have mostly been determined today, not all. Mostly because uh, we've a bit of a bit bizarre situation for that quarter uh, for that final quarter final spot. Um, it ended Clonakilty one fourteen, Castlehaven one sixteen, and Bandon. So Castlehaven top Group A, and because Carberry Rangers lost to Valley Rovers in Timaleague, it means that both Castlehaven and Clonakilty have gone through. Uh, the final score between Carberry Rangers and Valley Rovers was 114 to 11 points in favour of Valleys, and we're going to get some reaction to that in just a second. Um, but that means Castlehaven are going to face Ballincollig in their quarterfinal, and Clonakilty are going to go up against the reigning champions, Nemo Rangers. Uh, group E, Nemo Rangers, they did top their group, and they were going to do that regardless of what happened in their game. They faced off against bottom side Carrigaline in Ballygarvin. Nemo won 15 points to 1 9. And Ballincollig, as we heard, they're going to face Castlehaven, and they got through their basically a knockout tie against Airog. Airog needed a draw only, but Ballincollig came through with the victory 210 to 111 in Coachford. And uh, unfortunately, that ends Airog's involvement in the uh, championship this year. Cargilline will face that uh, relegation uh, playoff now as well. And I'm not sure if their opponents are, are decided yet, but it'll be one of. Uh, Mallow, you imagine, or um, it'll be one of uh, Mallow and, well, I don't think it's going to, one of Mallow and Valley Rovers, but it's going to come down very tight there, uh, I think. Uh, So we we might get more confirmation on that. St. Finbars, they were already through. Um, Douglas needed to win in Parky Rin, but it was the Bars who won, 114-18. So St. Finbars take the automatic semi-final spot okay that much is assured and they're gonna well I'm not sure if there is a draw actually but the way it stands on this path to the final it says that St. Finbars will face the winners of Castlehaven versus Ballincollig Mallow they lost to St. Michael's what a victory for St. Michael's that is 12 points to 11 it was in Blarney massive win for last year's senior A champions and it means that St. Michael's and Douglas have to play off now to get out of Group C because they've basically finished identical on points and they play off for the right to play to Hallow in that quarter-final um, pairing. So, fantastic ending 
uh, all the drama in that new format in the Premier Senior Football Championship. Jeremy McCarthy was in Timberleague where uh, Valley Rovers, as we've, as we've heard, defeated Carberry Rangers 114 to 11 points. Here's Fiercra Lynch of Valley Rovers speaking to Jar after the game. Uh, fair credit 114 to 11 points Valley Rovers got the victory they needed to retain their Premier Senior status in all the time you've been playing with Valleys where's, where does this performance whatever about the result where does this lie um, I suppose we we struggled all year really um, we got relegated in the league and I suppose we were up against the coming into championship we got hammered by Clan in the first round um, Pulled up to the haven, right? But they were just better than us on the day, and this is massive. This is a huge performance, a huge win for Valley Rovers to stay up. Um, very, very important. We've got a young team, um, and looking forward to, to staying up and going at it again next year. Yeah, and just as a dual club as well, things going very well in the hurling. But today, like you're up against a Ross team uh, that were looking as well for a win to get into the knockout stages. Um, you led at half time. You didn't lose the cool. You kept your shape all the way through, even after losing Adam Keneally. Was that was that the key thing that you just kept your shape and kept doing the things that got you ahead? Yeah, um, exactly. I suppose it took us a while to kind of bed down our game plan during the year, um, and we kind of tweaked it as the year was going on. And I suppose today was, uh, was the you know showed I suppose all the hard work that we put in over the last couple of weeks. It's hard playing hurling and football. You know, Ross had three weeks to prepare for this game. We had a hurling championship game in between, so um, it's difficult. But look, when when both teams are going well, hopefully this will give the hurlers a boost now for next weekend. Yeah, and just the whole club a boost. It's, it's not an easy championship to play, in, as you well know. But the fact that you're still in it, this is a boost. You got a lot of young players coming through. It's looking good now. Yeah, yeah. No, we're happy with today. Happy with our lot. Yeah, Fiacre Lynch there after a huge win for Valley Rovers over Carberry Rangers, and just to confirm it is Mallow who will face Carrigaline now in that relegation playoff and quite unlucky to be fair to Mallow but what a win uh, for St. Michael's it, it really came down to that and we were discussing that uh last night on the bench uh, with Sean McCarthy how it was so difficult to predict what was going to happen and the fact that it's ended on a playoff between St. Michael's and Douglas for that quarterfinal spot is uh, is remarkable um, also yes so we've just heard from Fierker Lynch Valley Rovers let's hear now from uh, Seamus Hayes the Carby Rangers manager speaking mature uh, Seamus, really appreciate you talking to us here on the big red bench. Look, really disappointing there for Carby Rangers, not getting away from it, losing out to Valley Rovers in the final group game. But um, you never got going. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment, George, to be honest, you know. Um, we knew coming over here, Valleys would prevent the formidable challenge. And in the first half, we played right into their into their game plan, you know, um, going forward with the ball and uh, turning it over time after time, you know. Um, different players doing it it wasn't just one player it seemed to be um, very evident throughout our play um, and when you turn over the ball like that against a team who are setting up to hitch on the counter attack I mean you know, it's very disappointing yeah yeah. Um, a lot of young players finished up in the pitch out there today Farley as well look I know it's it's still raw after defeat but there's a lot of young players coming through Dara Hayes coming through Kieran Santry's coming through there's a lot of good players in that minor underage setup. you got to turn to them over the next couple of years and as raw as it is now there is still hope there for the future Oh, sure, there's no doubt about that. I mean, their talent is, is, is not in question, you know. Today, just we have to look at the reason why we didn't perform. Uh, maybe nerves, you know, a lot of these fellas, you know, that you mentioned probably haven't a lot of big game experience with some of the men who I saw. Yeah, look, the talent is there, but, I mean, we didn't perform today, and I guess that's the big disappointment, you know. Um, we felt that we would have been more than capable, you know, of you know competing with Valleys, but they were by far the better team on the day by far the better team on the day they executed their game plan uh, excellently and like up top I don't think they missed they're not, well they actually had a few words in the first half but more often than that you know, they split the posts 
Yeah, Seamus Hayes there, the Carberry Rangers manager, speaking to John McCarthy after that game, which ended Valley Rovers 114, Carberry Rangers 11 points, Valley Rovers avoiding that relegation playoff because of that result. Uh, the scenery uh, championship was also, uh, uh, I suppose, decided out today. Uh, the quarterfinal pairings are Canturk versus Newcestown and Knocknagree versus Bela and Gerrig and then the two automatic semi-final qualifiers were Dohanese and Newmarket uh, repeat pairings of Dohanese versus Newcestown and Newmarket versus Bela and Gerrig are to be avoided just to take that into account uh, for Moyen Island Rovers are in the relegation playoff there uh, and then to last night's action in the Premier Intermediate County Football Championship the Bonskirs Premier Intermediate uh, Football the quarterfinals will see Bantry Blues versus Nemo Rangers and Kilnamarcher versus Eve Leary and the automatic semi-final qualifiers were Kilshanig and Castletown Bear it's McCroom and Apiershig in the relegation playoff Castletown Bear automatically qualifying for that semi-final it was Castletown Bear 15 points Bandon 11 here is Castletown Bear manager Morgan O'Sullivan speaking with Jeremy McCarthy after that game last night um, Morgan congratulations three wins out of three in the group first time out of the group stage since the format was changed fantastic result and return for Castletown Bear uh, it's been coming but you had to hard earn tonight against Bandon uh, absolutely Jory yeah, look it was a very hard earned win but that's what we expected in fairness all the teams in the group were very even so every one of our games could have gone either way so we're, look, we're absolutely delighted to win tonight and I suppose in fairness the lads they've been working very hard we've been very very unlucky and the last couple of years falling you know to defeat by one point with teams that went on to win it or make county finals you know and look we have a group of players who work hard look our resources are probably limited and, and we'll let a young fellas come into our squad this year who've really really driven things on so look we're delighted for them and some of the older fellas um, they were finally asking me over the groups after a couple of years of trying um, there's a lovely balance to this team that's the one thing you transition the ball quickly and you kick some fine points tonight but you're, you're ready to work for all of those scores is that the difference now with, with this team that you know even when you fall behind or if you fall behind there is no panic and you're able to bounce back um, yeah no fairness the boys keep going and then they, um, there's never a sign that they're going to give up or they do panic even though at times they're like no I wish they, they held their heads a bit more because look, there was plenty of mistakes in that game too look which is going to happen in championship football but in fairness like you said the lads don't give up and they keep at it even when things don't go their way and look, I suppose just at the end tonight, we just held out and did enough to get the win. Um, talking about Dean Hegarty's save, that penalty save was crucial because it would have brought the game level. Absolutely crucial because at the time, Bandon were building momentum and if that ball hit the back of the net, in fairness, you would be backing Bandon to win uh, at that stage or from that stage. So, yeah, definitely it probably helped us just to keep him at bay and maybe gain back a bit of momentum in the game. Um, we think you're in a county semi-final we're pretty sure of that so I'm just going to assume that that's the case what will that do for Castletown Bear take away the hype of the game for a second but playing in such a high profile game in the championship at this stage of it what will it do in terms of from a manager's point of view and player's development point of view um, well I suppose I genuinely haven't talked about that far forward yet but if you tell me that's the way it's working out um, I take it you're right um, look it's brilliant um, we haven't been in a county semi-final in I think 8 years and in fact some of the lads told me after we won the last uh, it was our first time since 2015 winning two games mm-hmm. in the one year so look we've a lot of fellas who've gone through a lot of hardship and a lot of championship defeats in that time so yeah look it's definitely a boost uh, to the players and the club yeah, Castletown Bear manager Morgan O'Sullivan speaking after their victory last night with John McCarthy. Uh, South Africa now leading Scotland 18 points to 3, 55 minutes gone uh, in Marseille. There later today in Pool C, Fiji take on Wales from 8. Earlier, Japan beat Chile 42 points to 12 in Pool D. In golf, Vincent Norman is now the clubhouse leader and he's the outright leader. He's got a two-shot 
or he's got a one shot cushion now um, in at the Irish Open at the K Club the Swedish golfer finished 14 under um, and uh, second place is now Ryan Fox on 13 under Shane Lowry has ended up tied for third he birdied the last to move to 12 under par and uh, really left it after him out there after he had chances to really go a lot lower he really did have chances and Rory McIlroy made a bit of a hames of it he went into the water uh, on the seventh hole and then had a bit of a disaster as well later on in his round um, on this where am I checking there now was it the was it the 11th I think um, that yeah he just managed he ended up on a rock basically and that, that kind of ended his uh, his challenge um, but it looks like at the moment Vincent Norman's going to weather that storm. Um, speaking of storms, the place was actually delayed. It's a late finish and um, just looking at daylight here now. It's not too bad at the moment. It's quite dark around the studio here in Bishopstone though. So they'd uh, they'd want to get it finished up pretty quickly, wouldn't they? Um, but yeah, Norman on 14 under par. Fox is on the 15th only. So he does have the opportunities so maybe Vincent Norman will be uh, sitting edgy in the seat if that goes to a playoff they definitely will, they'll have to finish it tomorrow so um, we'll have to see what happens there Stephanie Meadows won under par on the, uh, on, the fee, on the final day of the Queen City Championship in Cincinnati the Antrim native has 8 holes left to play Minji Lee is the leader on 15 under par and it looks like for a moment that uh, her brother Minwoo Lee who's playing at the K Club was was actually going to make a big uh, play for uh, taking the outright lead at, at the Open as well he was joint lead with McElroy in 12 under for a bit but uh, he uh, made one or two mistakes as well uh, tennis Coco Goff last night became the first home winner of the US Open since 2017 the 19 year old beat Arena Sabalenka in three sets in the final at Flushing Meadows this evening it's Novak Djokovic going for a record equaling 24th Grand Slam title against Daniel Medvedev they do battle at 9pm Irish time uh, Daniel Medvedev says he'll need to play the match of his life to beat Djokovic um, obviously uh, the, the Russian he won his first major trophy in New York two years ago with victory over over the same opponent in the same final Djokovic course uh, chasing that record 24th Grand Slam title uh, football then Republic of Ireland's manager Stephen Kenny says his players are relishing the opportunity presented by tonight's clash with the Netherlands the two sides meet in a Euro 2024 qualifier at Lansdowne Road at a quarter to eight the boys in green are second from bottom in group B after last Thursday's loss to France Kenny says there's a lot of anticipation around, around tonight's fixture it's a great game Sunday night in Dublin in the Aviva Stadium um, the anticipation it's a sellout for a long time and it's uh, people are you know excited about the game it's, it has a real edge to it yeah we're going to preview that in a few moments with Dylan O'Connell who's on his way to Lansdowne Road earlier today Northern Ireland slumped to a one of defeat away to Kazakhstan so look it's not just the Republic of Ireland that are having these issues uh, other news Hansi Flick sacked as the German national team manager the former Bayern Munich boss leaves the role after a 4-1 loss to Japan last night Germany experienced an underwhelming World Cup uh, campaign as we all know last winter exiting the tournament at the group stage um, at the, pretty much at the hands of Japan as well so Japan has really come back to haunt Hansi Flick twice in the one year um, other news in football as well. 
Um, if I can just pull it up here, oh, slightly early on today, wasn't it? Uh, Manchester United uh, announcing that Anthony will go on a leave of absence and won't train with the club while he addresses allegations of domestic violence. The winger says it was a mutual decision to avoid distraction to his teammates and unnecessary controversy for the club. The Brazilian, who's been dropped from their national team squad, denies the allegations from his former girlfriend and two other women. And it's a, I think it's a very complicated case, so... I'm not going to say too much on it. Anthony did do a, an interview um, with one of the Brazilian channels and uh, was quite emotional about the whole thing. But look, you never know about these these types of things. Um, uh, look, uh, more reaction to the Ireland under-21s. Three to win over Turkey at Turner's Cross now. And they obviously they play again Tuesday night. Get out and support the lads. Um, Adam Thompson, the uh, FBI media man as well on Twitter, was looking to see if anyone had any fan footage of the goals uh, from the last night. So if you want to check out his Twitter and drop him a message, uh, he was looking for some some reaction to that. But Blackburn Rovers midfielder uh, Zach Gilson scored a penalty for Ireland in that 3-2 win and he was speaking to Rory afterwards. Uh, Zach, just how good was that? Oh, it was unbelievable. You know, the fans made it, to be fair. Just oh, best feeling in the world. It's going for your country and getting the win as well. It's massive for the qualifiers. And what does that win, I suppose, show about the character of this Irish side? Oh, the character among the boys and the staff, it, just the positive energy, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, just among everyone, and shows unreal character to come back. Talk to me about that moment when you're standing over a penalty. Yeah. Big crowd here, a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, uh, you know, just try to stay cool. I was confident in my ability that I was going to score, and um, yeah. That's about it, really. Did you have to take the ball off Andy? Was he going to take it or were you always going to take it? Uh, no, to be fair, uh, I took it and Andy knew I was going to take it, to be fair, so... Yeah, and what about that winner then as well? The place erupted here. Was it a cracking goal to him? I oh, know. I made up for Idamo and Tony as well, who created the chance uh, coming on off the bench and setting up the winner. Must be some feeling like... And speaking of cracking goals, Andy's goal was an absolute beauty. Oh, I had the perfect view, to be fair. On the bench. <laughs> um, no, yeah, that's just, you can create some out of nothing like There was a bit of, I suppose, needle, a bit of argy-bargy between the two sides in the second half. Is that something you were expecting? Yeah, to be fair, it was. Um, you know, these games are always competitive and fair play to Turkey, like, gave a good good game, so, yeah. So it was the first, uh, first 20 minutes Ireland started really well, but then the goal kind of came against the run of play. Yeah, the goal was against the run of play. Um, yeah, I kind of really remember it, like, but I think we went down twice, didn't we? Like, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, just shows good, good character from the boys. And then when we levelled, kind of the, their second goal kind of came against the run of play as well, the volley down the far end. Yeah, against the run of play. Um, yeah, that volley to make it go two one. Mm. Yeah. What was uh, Jim's message to you coming on? Um, you know, in training and stuff, he just sort of said, just show what you can do and try to create stuff which I'm quite good at doing like so safe to say you did that yeah <laughs> happily uh, what does it mean to you to make your first uh, competitive under 21 oh it's, it's a really proud moment I had a lot of family here uh, supporting so yeah it, I think everyone's buzzing to be fair yeah they all came down for the big game yeah, yeah. everyone uh, I think it's back to back wins now with Turner's Cross for the under 21s like how important is it to like breed confidence into the group ahead of Tuesday no yeah to be fair we believe in our ability and back-to-back wins at Turner Cross just shows that and 
you know, we've got players among this group that can go win games, so we just got to carry on going. Is he losing Sinclair to the seniors, but Idemo uh, stepped up, didn't he? Yeah, and Johnny Kenny. Johnny Kenny played a big role well, yeah. um, for 70 minutes or whatever, you know, without him running the channel it might have been a hard game for us and just lastly San Marino on Tuesday hopefully less dramatic of a game and the same result though yeah hopefully if we do things right and yeah ultimately we want to get the win again Alright, Dylan O'Connell is on the line as he heads up to Lansdowne Road for a do-or-die clash for Stephen Kenny and Ireland in the Euro 2024 qualifiers. The Netherlands are in town. Dylan, um, like I said, it is do-or-die. It feels like it's do-or-die, especially for Stephen Kenny tonight. Yeah, like I, I suppose if Ireland win, they have absolutely no hope of qualification. But if they win, then they'd, they'd need to beat Greece, beat Gibraltar and get a point off the Dutch over in Amsterdam. So it's basically, it's essentially an all or nothing evening. And if they lose tonight, they're basically, they have no hope of qualifying for Euro 2024. That was the bottom line of why Stephen Kenny got his new contract after the, the World Cup campaign. So it's tonight would essentially be the will will make or break Kenny's tenure as Ireland manager. Yeah, I don't necessarily expect it to be his last game as Ireland manager, but it, it probably would be the death knell in in his tenure. Um, I just I don't see the FAI going about uh, trying to replace both a men's and women's manager at the same time. Yeah, because like I suppose we've, as we know in this country, we're quite you know, um, we do like a bit of chaos, and I feel like that might be a bit too much chaos yeah. unto ourselves, like. Uh, we can't have a World Cup without a bit of chaos. We don't want we don't want to throw a bit more into that mix. And like even there's not that many candidates available at the moment. Like you see the same names mentioned. Like Neil Lennon is he available? Lee Carsley's name he was mentioned in the papers. But there's not that many candidates available. And like a big thing with the uh, with Stephen Kenny thing was when he came in 2018 was it was it was supposed to be like he'd bring two of the under 21s team that had Stephen Keller, Gavin Mazunu, Adam Ida, Troy Parrish, and then eventually integrated the senior team as the and there was a genuine level of consistency there. That was the plan. And this is what, that's what Stephen Kenny did. He brought to those players. So if they do end up, let's say, looking for a new manager, they need someone who has, you know, can take the project to the next level as opposed to completely changing the style of football back and progressing back to, let's say, playing four five one and bring Darren Murphy out of retirement to show him up as a striker. Yeah, and like we're, we're really seeing the antith- antithesis of that by the way of uh, Sinclair Armstrong coming into the side uh, for this game coming up from the 21 squad uh, Jonathan Afalabi coming into the squad to cover those holes of the injuries unfortunately heartbreakingly to Evan Ferguson etc like it's such a depleted squad but it's exciting to see those guys getting the opportunity isn't it in there even though like we're we're like it's just so so devastating to not have Evan Ferguson in that team on the form he's on. But it's great to see Sinclair Armstrong and Jonathan Afalabi for the League of Ireland to get in there. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And like I'm always a strong kind of believer that the the whole project to begin with involving uh, Stephen Kenny and the Republic of Ireland has been a massive vote of confidence in the League of Ireland. Like you're seeing booming attendances at the moment. Like there was. 1,300-1,600 people last night were at Cove Rambers versus at Lone Town. Uh, Sean McGrovers will regularly get now 7,000 people for the derby against Bowes. And League of Ireland tennises have been increasing since Steve Kenny got the role. And if he go and this is part of a, kind of a cultural, I suppose, recess of Irish football into itself. Because, again, our players now have, can only go to England if they're above the age of 18. So we need to start investing in our actual academies to develop young Irish players now. So that's, you know, that's where the investment goes. It's a completely different culture shift in their football. And you're seeing a lot more link-up between the national team and the League of Ireland. 
we have friends Evan Ferguson, ex Bohemians man, Jonathan Blabby, who currently plays for Bowes in the last couple of years. Even Jack Byrne came on and uh, came on for Ireland in a game. Uh, uh, I'm just going through the team now. Gavin Mazzuno, ex Shamrock Rovers. Uh, she knows young Ben, a, a former Cork City player. So like there was a lot stronger link up to the Irish team, whereas before there was a heavy reliance on the grandparent rule and the support for the Stephen Kenny project or whoever even comes in afterwards that they, you know, they keep this project going because otherwise we're going to go back 10 years' time, people might lose interest in the League of Ireland because look, they tried it with Stephen Kenny and it didn't work out and we're going to look back where we were, let's say, 10 years ago there was a massive uh, disparity between the League of Ireland and the national team. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. Uh, it's such a difficult situation. I think he's making the best of it by by trusting in that youth and trusting in the League of Ireland as well. Uh, talk to me about the Netherlands then and the threat they're going to bring. Bit of a, a topsy turvy ish couple of years for them, hasn't it? But they had a good win uh, last uh, Thursday night, didn't they, against Greece? So they're coming here on better form than maybe the last window or the window before that, if if we got them. Yeah, like the Dutch, the Dutch are a strange thing. Like, I think if there's any expression that sums up the Dutch, it's the title of the book is called "Beautiful Bridesmaids." They're uh, dressed in orange. It's the fact that, like, I suppose the country loves playing good football and don't mind losing if they play good football. Like, there was this national outcry back because of the tennis World Cup when they said it was like three-five-two, and that wasn't the four-three-three. There was even an ad that had Wesley Snyder in it that said, "Enough playing beautiful. We want to win now." So with the Dutch, you know, still probably play good football, we know that's nice. Ron Koeman's in charge. He comes to that Christian school of playing 4-3-3 or the 4-2-3-1 variation of it. It involves passing the ball, a high press. You players like Virgil van Dijk in defence, you pass the ball out. Frankie De Jong was playing in midfield, uh, kind of anchoring the play. So, like, it's with the Dutch is what you see was what you get. But, like, again, they are a strange team. Like, they got blitzed 4-0 by France. Uh, at the start of France last March, whereas Ireland only lost 2-0 there. France did have to only play with half the tempo so with, with the, you'd imagine the Dutch are going to probably have a lot of possession this evening they're going to obviously pass the ball around and high press Ireland or sit back and try and deal with this you see what worries me is because the Dutch tend to play 4-3-3 even Kenny tends to play a 3 at the back the wingers end up exploding a lot of space left behind by the absence of natural fullbacks in the Irish team because again we don't have Seamus Coleman to play on the right flank we only have Eddie Stevens who's the only real natural fullback in the team up for that position so the Dutch could end up getting a lot of space out with those positions and the score could end up tearing Ireland apart uh, late in the game if the Irish team tires could you see could, could you see Fistio Baselli maybe starting tonight I know it would be a big jump for him but could you see him starting on the right and Matt Doherty starting on the left because for me Andy Stevens was atrocious against France to, to be honest I feel like he, they might go for experience this evening and just play Andy Stevens on the left Matt Doherty on the right maybe have Chido Zagbeni then double up on the right flank like he did and kind of play him between that half space you know where a right forward would sit and a right wing back would sit and uh, try and like you know try and close those gaps down um, so as opposed to a player who was six months ago playing under 21's football in terms of cross if you want to go for experience you look at the calibre of players that don't have um, All things considered then I'm not sure if if there's ever a sense of those big nights when you're heading to heading to Lansdowne Road, you know the night of that famous result against Germany. I'm not sure if there what the expectation was that night, or if the sense that something 
big could happen. Um, I, I'm sure, though, back in 2001, there was that sense against the Netherlands that, that Ireland could produce a, a result to, to get into the World Cup uh, qualifiers. Um, obviously, you the likes of Ray Keane and everything in the team back then. Is there a sense tonight? Do you have any feeling at all tonight, Dylan, that tonight could be one of those magical moments for Irish football that they get a big result here and it changes the whole course of history and Stephen Kenny's tenure? I think, I suppose being the nature of a football fan and just being in love with the game, it's like the game is built in romance. It's built on these stories themselves. So, like, it's, of course, there's that feeling of it might happen. Like, you know, uh, it might happen. But again, you just don't know because, like, where is that win going to come from? There's no hints at it. Like, we all thought going up to the France game, and even I was grabbing food beforehand, they bumped into a former Irish international, and even he said, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those mad nights when they played France in the stadium. And that just didn't happen. It would have happened if, if the French goalkeeper didn't uh, produce that brilliant save in the game. But, like, it's... You just don't know, like, uh, these things, because hindsight's the things that we said, like, oh, I always had a feeling it's going to happen. Like, I have a feeling back in 2018, the Cork City rule to win the Cup. They didn't win the Cup. So these things happen. I thought back in 2021, the Cork would actually beat Limerick in the Auburn final because, you know, this young group of Cork players remember what happened back in, in 1999 when a young Cork team would like to Sean Oak and all them uh, beat Kilkenny in the, that lashing grand Auburn final up with Corker. So, like, you know, you could be wrong, but then when you're validated, you're like, yeah, we always sensed it in the evening. So that's just, I suppose, how sport works. Like, uh, I remember back when Liverpool played Barcelona in 2019, I jokingly said to my best friend when we left the pub, after the 3-0 game, it was like, I think Liverpool, it's guaranteed they're going to score in five minutes next week in Anfield, and it's just going to be chaos. And I remember the next week when really scored, I went, yeah, told you, I didn't expect them to come back, but like, so it's like, like anything is liable to happen, but it's important thing is the players, like the fans and the fans believe that themselves, that they don't just sit there, you know, and want to go to them, admire the Dutch team and the Dutch players, and like even just to see the Dutch manager who scored the winning goal for Barca back in the 1992 European Cup final. That So it's, you know, they, they need to buy into it and just seek and believe that something happened. Yeah, I've no doubt the crowd in Anzal Row will definitely bring that energy and that belief as well, and they'll they'll try to push those players on as much as they can. Uh, to finish up, then Dylan, I will push you for a prediction, score prediction uh, for Ireland versus the Netherlands tonight. Uh, two in the Netherlands. Two nil Netherlands. All right, okay. It wouldn't be a disaster, I suppose. To be fair, two nil to France and two nil to the Netherlands. But you know, a lot of people predicted shipping eight, ten goals in these two games. So you take that, I suppose, in, in a way. Although it does end our our hopes of qualifying. That's it. Like I mean, people kind of say, "Oh, well, like the Dutch, they'll be hot and cold." They also got Argentina the penalties in the World Cup last year, and Argentina then won the World Cup. So, like you know, you've words of like in the back lane, captain Liverpool. You have. Frankie de Jong, who's probably one of the best young midfielders in Europe, was a member of that famous Ajax team, the one that got to the semi-finals of the Champions League back in 2019. So, like, you know, with the calibre players there for the Dutch team, it's completely different. It's, it's, it is what it is like. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Look, we can only hope and pray that uh, Ireland turn up tonight and uh, cause a big upset and get everything back on track. Dylan O'Connell, hopefully it's, uh, it's one of those nights for Irish football. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much for having me, Evan. Yeah, hopefully Dylan has inspired some uh, confidence in us all there, uh, I think. Uh, look, it's Ireland versus the Netherlands. It's a quarter to eight. It's the last chance to for Ireland. Uh, I don't know. Let's see what happens. All right, coming up after the break, it's our NFL preview with Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show. Don't go away. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. <laughs> 
missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here in Cork's Red FM. All right, it's time now to get our NFL preview with Cork's own Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL Show. All right, it's that time of year again where we talk to Colm Cronin about all things NFL with the new season on the horizon. Uh, Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL Show. Thanks a minute for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Always a pleasure to join you, Aidan. And the nice thing is, generally, when we're speaking, it means that something big is on the NFL horizon. And that's obviously the regular season. The NFL has an incredibly long off season. We have preseason, but it's like friendlies. It doesn't really matter. The real thing kicks off next weekend and cannot wait until we see the teams take to the field again. And absolutely, like, let's start off as well with the fact that we have a massive Irish story this season, Dan Whelan included in the Green Bay Packers uh, 53, the first man since Neil O'Donoghue to hopefully take to the field uh, as a professional NFL player uh, this season. It's a massive, a massive moment for Irish involvement in the NFL because there is a lot of young Irish talents over in America at the moment at college level. So hopefully this is the start of uh, a decade of, of some uh, Irish prospects getting into the NFL. Yeah, look, I, the hope is that I suppose it is a big moment right now and we're right to celebrate it. But the hope that it is, it becomes standard, that we don't need to celebrate it because ultimately it's a conveyor belt, that we become a little bit like what Australia has done. I mean, there are so many Aussies playing in the NFL at the moment. It's just commonplace. And I think it can become that there's incredible work being done at all levels of the game here. And the NFL itself is committed to growing the sport globally increasing player pathway opportunities. So I do think you will see it. I suppose we're all until he takes to the field. We've probably all been burned a little bit by the James McCourt piece last year where uh, now Dan Whelan, it's different. He did make the 53. But last year, at one point, McCourt was the only kicker on the Jags roster only for them to bring somebody in. We're all, I think, crossing our fingers and toes hoping that the Packers aren't going to spring a surprise and bring somebody in late. It will be fantastic. And we will get to see the Irish flag on the back of, of an NFL helmet. And it will be momentous. As you said, it is a long time since Dilota, who was kicking in the league more, you know, than uh, tw- 20 years, almost 30 years. And I- I'm delighted for Dan because he went through college, got onto the Saints uh, roster. Well, not roster, but it got. Um, with the Saints at training camp it didn't work out there but he didn't you know allow that to stop him he went to the XFL he balled out in the XFL he was absolutely fantastic he got the second opportunity and he looks to have made the most of it and it just tees up as well like NFL has grown every year I think in Ireland every time the season starts we just saw a massive event uh, at Lansdowne Road last week um, with Notre Dame taking on Navy in, in college football and as I suppose just to touch on that briefly, it was the first college game of the season, wasn't it? So the amount of American eyeballs on Ireland uh, last Saturday was huge. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, Aiden, it was the first time that Notre, it was Notre Dame home game. 
So you, ordinarily when Notre Dame come over, it's the Notre Dame away game. The fact that they were willing to give up a home game is significant. It probably is something that flies under the radar a little bit, but that is significant that they are willing to to do that. And you saw the, the number of people who traveled over, the fact that, you know, you, you had uh, American crews on the ground in Dublin, in Ireland for the week. And that coupled, I suppose, again, with the fact that we see games in Germany, but we know that both the Jaguars and the Steelers have signed international home market agreements in Ireland within the past six months is testament to the fact that the sport is growing across the island. Yeah, and you never know, maybe in the next couple of years we could be previewing an NFL season with that. With a fixture in in Croke Park, maybe, and it's it's not that a uh, point in the sky stuff either. But uh, I suppose it's still a bit of hope uh, at the moment. Um, let's get stuck in, I suppose, to the season itself. Um, let's start off with maybe looking at the the head coaches before we dig into the uh, contenders in the NFC and AFC. I I was kind of sitting down. And I was thinking to myself, like, who is the best head coach in the league right now? You always know who it is, but I think this year, maybe I'm just not in tune with it, but I suppose you always had Bill Belichick, let's say, and he was always top of the pile. Who is the best uh, head coach in the league at the moment? Uh, for me, it's it's Andy Reid, I think. And Andy is something else when you consider, like his achievements almost flew on, have flown under the radar. And, and Patrick Mahomes, interestingly, because a lot of the time the coach gets a huge amount of, of the credit uh, rather than the, the quarterback. But when it comes to the Chiefs, it seems to be all kind of Patrick Mahomes. Now, don't get me wrong, Patrick Mahomes is absolutely gifted and he's the best quarterback in the league. But Andy Reid has never had a losing season in Kansas since he took over there. And he hasn't always had Patrick Mahomes. He had Alex Smith. He had to deal with a division that had Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos that put up the most points that the league has, has ever seen. And yet he still found a way to have a, a winning season. So for that reason, for the fact that he continually develops the team. He comes up with new concepts. He sees coordinators come and go. And something else, Aidan, that's probably worth noting is a man actually who spent a bit of time down in Ring of Skiddy when he was a student, Brendan Daly. He has as many Super Bowl uh, rings as he has fingers on his right hand, was very successful with the, the Patri- Patriots before he went to the Chiefs. And then last year, he said to Andy Reid that he wanted a change. He had coached the D-line, been enormously successful but he wanted to do something different. A lot of times that would scare coaches because they'd worry about, you know, such a respected figure, such an established figure changing in the middle of their career. But Andy Reid embraced it. He said, fine, let's make it happen. And so Brendan Daly went coaching the linebacker group rather than the defensive line. They brought in a new D-line coach and then they went and won a Super Bowl. So, and Brendan Daly talks about and the other coaches there talk about the fact that Andy Reid ensures that the you heard Nathaniel Hackett at last year who was such a disaster with the Broncos. Him and his coaches have talked about sleeping in the stadium. And 
Andy Reid is the antithesis of that. He ensures guys leave the building on time because he wants them to be refreshed and rejuvenated. To me, he is the stand-up. But there are other great coaches around the league. Mike Tomlin has done a phenomenal job, obviously, with the Steelers. He's never had a, a losing season. He hasn't had as much success as Andy Reid, but he has done a phenomenal job. Pete Carroll, what Pete has done with the Seattle Seahawks and to be still doing it at his age um, is truly, truly incredible as well. And then you've got the kind of up and up and comers. I mean, Nick Sirianni has been brilliant in his first couple of years with the Eagles. Can he continue that success? He's lost coordinators. Now he's got to prove that he can do what Andy Reid has done in the past and he is able to operate with new coordinators coming in. But for me, as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there in Kansas City in tandem, they start every season as favourites. And I suppose then let's start with the AFC and uh, like you said, the Chiefs favourites, I, I would imagine, to start off with by the bookie. Who else uh, is uh, going to challenge there in the AFC? Obviously from last year, the Bengals are still going to be pretty strong, aren't they? Any other teams that are maybe going to make a, a renewed push this year? The Bills as well, of course. We're still waiting from. Uh, who, who do you think is going to be the team this year that grabs the AFC by the scruff of the neck and uh, maybe snatch that spot come, uh, what are we, February? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it remains the most this the more stacked of the two conferences absolutely and with Aaron Rodgers coming across from the Packers it adds another quarterback into the mix I think the Bills because of the way last season ended uh, you go back they started off so well they absolutely dominated the Rams they began the season like they were playing with their hair on fire because they wanted to get over 13 seconds I think because of the way the season ended uh, um, with DeMar Hamlin and then a uh, disappointing loss to the Bengals they've kind of people have been a little bit down on them I don't I think they can be very good I think offensively in particular you wonder about the play calling because Sean McDermott is going to to play but I, I would expect them to be very good I think Dalton Kincaid bringing in a tight end in the first round of the the draft is interesting. It signals to me that they recognize that they need to do something a little bit different. I think I expect them to be very, very good. I expect the Steelers to be improved as well. Now, can Kenny Pickett take enough of a jump to make them a real player? That's what we have to to see. I think with Lamar's contract finally having been sorted out, and my goodness, that took an awfully long time. I can't believe the Ravens allowed it go uh, to that. I think they can be improved. The concern with the Ravens is injuries. I I think that could be a a real factor and the thing that limits them. But I think Lamar and a new look offense there should be really, really exciting. And then the question is, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team who had the number one pick two years in a row, who had an abject disastrous season under Urban Meyer. And Doug Peterson comes in last year and they make the playoffs. And then they have that incredible comeback win over the Chargers. With Calvin Ridley coming in at wide receiver, uh, it might take him a little bit of time to hit, you know, get back up to where he was, but I believe he can. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to improve. You worry about the pass rush. That is the big thing. They need Trayvon Walker to take a jump. He was the number one pick and really last year. He was fine, but when you're the number one pick, you need to be a lot more than fine. But I, I do believe that they are in 
a weak division. I think they can make a, a real push. And to me, I, I mean, I, I would probably say the the Chiefs start as favourites, but I can see the Jags because of their division that they're in. You know, they could be the the second or, or third seed because they could potentially win a, a enough games. The Jets, I mean, Rodgers is there, a lot of focus, hard knocks, Sean Payton's comments. There's an awful lot of pressure. Bright lights in New York. They've got to hit the ground running. I think they probably make the the playoffs as as a wild card. Um, but to me, I, I would still say the Bills, until proved otherwise, the Bills remain the top dogs in the AFC East. I think as well, it's going to be very funny that first uh, NFL weekend where you get a lot of the passing interests looking at their screens and doing that double take at Aaron Rodgers in the Jets uniform because it's just going to look, it's going to take a bit of getting used to, isn't it? Absolutely. and But he is rejuvenated. We saw him play preseason. Aaron Rodgers hasn't played preseason in forever. Um, and it, he was chippy. I mean, um, you, you saw him with the, the Giants and he, he looks like he is a man on a mission. He took an enormous pay cut. He wants to, to make it happen. But their O-line, can you trust them? Can they stay fit? It is an enormous change. This is a team in the Jets who have struggled since Joe Namath to have a real player at quarterback. They finally have him. You heard Joe Douglas say he can't believe he got Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. That's the general manager. Well, he's there, but now they have to do it on the field. Yeah, the AFC, such a difficult division. And then jumping over to the NFC, like, it's right there for the taking, isn't it? You know, it's there for some team to just stamp their dominance on the conference. Who is that going to be, do you think? Is there a standout, a standout candidate for it? Or will we see any surprises? I think we can see some su- surprises, Aiden. I think the last year the Eagles were absolutely stacked. And I really liked their offensive coordinator. But they've lost both coordinators. Now, I think they'll be okay without Jonathan Gannon. I wasn't his biggest fan, but I I wonder in terms of Shane Steichen, I think had a great feel for calling plays. I think he was able to understand the the way in which the opposition um were were going and he, he I don't know if they will be able to to have that um, I know the new coordinator there was Jalen Hurts' QB coach last year, but we saw a similar um, when it came to Brian Dable leaving the Bills. Ken Dorsey came in. Ken Dorsey had been Josh Allen's QB coach, and it just didn't look the same, you know? So I think that could be, I think the for that reason, I think the Eagles take a slight step back. I still like their roster. I still think that they probably emerge as the the number one seed. Um, but it is a fascinating, the, the other divisions, right? Because the Lions are favourites. The Lions are favourites the first time in more than 30 years. So it's it's uh, it's been a longer wait for the Lions to be favourites than we have had to wait to have an Irish player in the NFL. I, I think the NFC North is going to be incredibly competitive. I think that could be the most competitive of all the divisions because I think the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, without the drama, I think that'll actually help them. I mean, Rodgers has wanted out of that organization for at least two years. And even though he obviously played well a couple of years ago last year with all the drama surrounding it, I mean, if Jordan Love is is even average, they could have a very good season, but you would have the Lions still as favourites. 
when it comes, my goodness. So we, the AFC South, we I said that the Jaguars could top a, a bad division. The NFC South is is interesting because I don't have a huge amount of faith in in a lot of the teams. I think the the Panthers had the number one overall pick. They took Bryce Young. He's a gifted QB, but he doesn't have a whole lot around him. And you have to take preseason with a pinch of salt, but the line, the O-line looked terrible and you'd worry about the protection there. I I, I like, you know, I think the Saints have done a well to bring in Derek Carr instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, but that is an aging defense and how much longer can they continue to squeeze all the bits out of it? The Bucks, the Bucks could be, I think it'll be the, between the Bucks and the, the Cardinals to be the worst teams in, in the NFL. The Falcons, they are, I think they could be the most fun team to watch because they are going with an offense. You know, you heard, you hear the expression when everyone else zigs, you should zag. Well, the Falcons are the team that have done that. It will be an offense unlike anybody else, but it could be incredibly fun to watch. They're going with Desmond Ritter as their QB question is if he can be and if he can be even the 16th the 14th best QB I think they could really surprise people certainly um, in the run to the playoffs I, I would have them as my favorites for the NFC South and when it comes to the uh, NFC West all eyes are on San Francisco everyone expects they're a great team I think they have outside of the quarterback the rest of the players they have the best starters in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey at running back, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, um, Trent Williams. You look, they brought in Javon Hargrave. Um, now they've lost D'Amico Ryans, but I think Steve Wilkes will be a fabulous defensive coordinator there. But I, I have concerns around Brock Purdy and whether he can really match what he did last year. I think the Seahawks can surprise people. I really do. I think the Seahawks have drafted incredibly well. And just like I said about the feel-good factor that existed in Green Bay, my goodness, was there a feel-good factor in Seattle without Russell Wilson last year? I think they can build on that. I think Pete is driven uh, to want to you know, get another ring before he goes into retirement. I think the Seattle Seahawks could well surprise people this year. And uh, my annual ask about the Giants as well. Obviously, I suppose the biggest story was Saquon Barkley getting all of that tied up. It was very, it was a bit sloppy, wasn't it? Probably by both parties, really. And to be fair to Barkley, he probably didn't exactly play it very clever himself. No, well, it's been a really strange off season for running backs because ultimately what teams have done is they've looked at it and I understand from a player's perspective, right? Now, I love to see players get money. I prefer it goes into the players' pockets than the owners. But the reality is that they signed a collective bargaining agreement. There is only so much money to be allocated. And teams have looked at it and said, in terms of running backs, unless you are gifted both on the ground and you can be a pass catcher, we're just not going to pay huge money. We're just not going to do it. We're not going to provide the, the long-term contracts. And that's an issue, but it's not an issue that's going to get resolved probably until the next CBA gets agreed in 2030. That's how long it's going to be. So, because uh, it wasn't just Saquon, you had Austin Eckler, you had Josh Jacobs, but teams have looked and said, you know, once you're into your second contract, it, it's a concern. 
for the Giants, I like a lot of the moves on defense. I think Isaiah Simmons coming in, I think Wink Martindale will use him in a much better way than he was ever used down in Arizona. Uh, I, I expect the, the defense to continue to get better. I worry. I think they have a ceiling with Daniel Jones and... I think that they could end up kind of in QB purgatory a, a little bit. The Vikings have famously been in that for a while. I think you can only win so many games with Daniel Jones there. And I think they are in a division that, again, will be very, very competitive uh, because the, the Cowboys will be good, though I feel people are probably higher on the, on the Cowboys than I am. I think defensively the Cowboys are immense and they are terrifying in terms of what they can, their ability to get to the opposing QB. But they at, at tight end, there are questions for me about the Cowboys at tight end. There are questions at running back. But I think the commanders could surprise people. They'll have a feel-good factor with Dan Schneider, no longer the owner. There are questions about Sam Howell, but the rest of the offense there could be decent. I think that the Giants could be in a scrap for the wild cards, but I just don't think they will have the surprise factor that maybe uh, they had last year. I can see them having a nine and eight season. I don't know if that'll be enough to get them back into the playoffs. Yeah, to be honest with you, I would absolutely just take the playoffs. I think most Giants fans probably would, particularly after the last 10 years <laughs> that they've gone through. Um, let's finish it up then by looking at First of all, your one standout player this year, the guy you think is going to be the, in a WWE term, the face of the company come come the end of the season. Well, look, it would be very easy to kind of sit here and and say Patrick Mahomes, right? Because I think he he is the the best player. Um, but I I do expect. Jalen Hurts to continue to grow. You saw him. He's had his doubters, an awful lot of doubters since he came in. And I know given he is a divisional rival, he mightn't be a favorite of, of yours, Aiden. But the guy has this incredible work ethic and commitment. And it, it is the very best players, the Tom Brady's, the Patrick Mahomes, they have that. You saw Mahomes this offseason get asked about some of the contracts that others were getting. And he said, I, I just want to win titles. I'm not concerned about money. And Jalen Hurts does something similar. He continually looks to make himself better. And there's a famous clip. He got taken off at halftime in the championship game when he was in college. And uh, Tua came in and ultimately they they went on to, to win. And Hurts is in interviewed afterwards and you can see he's not putting it on he's not putting a brave face he is absolutely delighted that the team won it because for him team success is everything and his commitment to improve himself is is incredible I expect him to take another step but I think by the end when we get to February of 2024 I think that Trevor Lawrence could be the you know the next one that we're really talking about I think Burrow will be excellent but Lawrence if in the back end of last year, he really took steps forward. He be, started to show what people thought he was. He had a disastrous first year because of Urban Meyer. But I really think that he could be with the proper weapons now around him there. I think he could flourish. And so if you're looking for perhaps a rival um, to Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, uh, Trevor Lawrence is, I think, the, the next one to to take the the step up. 
Absolutely, it'll be interesting to see. Finally then, your Super Bowl winner from here anyway, before we even, uh, before a ball is even kicked or thrown, if someone was to give you a uh, 100 quid to put down for free, who would you, who would you throw it on? There, to me, what you if you go back over the last few Super Bowls, there's generally a surprise team there. Essentially, um, you, you know, you look last year, the Eagles took a lot of people by surprise. You look the year before, the Bengals took people by surprise. So very often, uh, there there's somebody. So to me, I think the the Seahawks could be the surprise team this year and I, I would um they they would be from the NFC side I could see them getting there I, I'd love it for it to be somebody else in the AFC but it's it's hard to look beyond the Chiefs they they are so good and as long as Mahomes and Kelsey stay fit and if they get the contract sorted out with Chris Jones the Chiefs Aiden have They've learned how to essentially, you see them kind of, they go in third gear through most of the season. They ramp up occasionally when they play some of the high profile teams, but they take it into a different gear when it comes to the the playoffs. And they have the best play caller. They have the best QB. It is a QB driven league. I think it will be the the Chiefs against the Seahawks in uh, the the Super Bowl. Um, But I think, it could. It would be, you know, last year, the Eagles, maybe if they'd had a more experienced coaching staff. Uh, Pete Carroll is a wily old fox. Pete Carroll versus Andy Reid in, in the Super Bowl, the Seahawks against the Chiefs. That could be a matchup for the ages. Yeah, and the Chiefs as well. They're one ring away from, from the dynasty, aren't they? Is it, is it three and five? So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they can do that. I think as well, the most impressive thing about them is you you were saying how the Buccaneers you have them pegged as probably the worst team going into the season Super Bowl champions a couple of years ago for the Chiefs to to stay at the top level when the system is designed for you not to be able to do that is quite impressive. Yeah, I mean the the NFL, I, I suppose it adores parity, right? It's built to, uh, on parity, and that's what makes it so exciting. That team, you know, teams can. Uh, turn things around very quickly. The, the Bengals were so bad for so long. Joe Burrow comes in and absolutely transforms that franchise and the way in which they they look at it. And could the Bengals win the Super Bowl this year? Absolutely, they they could. But th- that's, I suppose, the, the beauty of the NFL. We all thought, well, certainly I thought the Seahawks would be terrible last year, but they, they were fantastic. So... It is a testament to Andy Reid, Passion Holmes and Brett Veach, the GM down there in Kansas, that they have been so good for so long, that they manage the the cap, that they've managed to move players on where needs be. I mean, let's not forget that last year they moved on from Tyreek Hill, probably the most explosive player in the entire league. And they got better on offense. I mean, it is, it's truly incredible what, what they do. It's frustrating being a fan of, of a team in, in the division, but as a fan of the sport, you can't help but admire it. Another big NFL season in store for us over the next uh, couple of months. And I'm sure we'll be talking to Cullum again as we head towards the playoffs later in the year. Cullum Cronin of the Irish NFL show. Thanks again for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Thanks, Aiden. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench.